everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast where we talk about everything local and beyond. I am your host, John Yamasato, and with me today, as usual, is Mr. Kyle Shimabukuro. How's Hello, Kyle. Devin Nakoba. Hello. Thank you for being here, Devin. Thank you for bringing your candy crush. Where's your camera? Uh, oh, my camera. Oh, oh so is that the thing you up, broke it on? That's why we're... Sore spot, man. Is that yeah, why we're getting yeah. pictures off of... That's why there's... A, I, I don't know what happened. I have a Canon. Those of you out there who are camera guys yeah. i have a canon mark IV, and i usually use that to take my photos and today we were setting up and turn the thing on and the bugger no turn on oh. it just don't turn on battery there i no, because there's a, a light that comes on that shows that it's getting power but the screen doesn't come on nothing works oh. yeah so oh, any of you camera guys out there and know that maybe if it's a quick fix or anything please help john because i thought he was going to cry <laughs> <laughs> how long have we had the camera not too long, maybe about three years. I had my other camera for eleven by years. The at all? I don't know. I gotta check. Okay. I usually don't think about it because I'm not that rough. Because when does stuff break? It doesn't. Yeah, usually. When do I need a new one of these? Well, you know, I mean, it gives me a um, excuse to get a upgraded new camera, of course. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so there, yeah, there is a bright side to that. Is there one more expensive than the camera you already have? Oh, there's definitely more expensive ones. But but actually, I was thinking of changing over to Sony. Sony's been um, kind of dominating the mirrorless camera uh-huh. market right uh-huh. now. Really? And the mirrorless, they're smaller. You know, they're easier mm. to, to transport and stuff. So I, I was kind of interested in that. And also, Canon just came out with a mirrorless. So I could explore that idea as well. You know, I got to admit, John, you know, even if you're not a professional photographer, the equipment you have, you really do take nice pictures. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, on your Instagram, of your kids, of your wife, of whatever, you, it's really nice pictures. I really do enjoy it. Yeah. But, I find uh, uh, having a nice conversation with your wife, by the way. You were? Or, is she, or is, she of the, uh, is she of the mind that if you spend money on it, it's your money, so spend the money? No, my wife is pretty, pretty cool when it comes to, well, okay, if I bought, um, if I bought, a, say, a metal detector. You did buy a metal detector <laughs> from Costco. <laughs> that uh, certain someone asked me to, to do with him. Oh, no. You know, it's just your fault that we're not using it. <laughs> oh, no. I think I, would, I think I would get some heat for that. You bought a metal detector? You never heard metal. this story. No. What? One day we were talking. No, I know you have one. No, yeah. So one day we were talking. It was after, I don't know, where we were. And I said, bro, you know what we should do in our um, in our um, midlife crisis yeah, mode? And he goes, what? And I go, let's buy a metal detector and we can go hunting for <laughs> treasures. Find some gifts for our wives for Valentine's Day and oh, Christmas geez. and, you know. And he was like, what? And I go, there's a sale right now at Costco <laughs> on this metal detector. And I already had one, and I didn't have anybody to go with, so it rusted out and it broken. So I'm going to buy a new one, and you go buy a new one, and then we'll do that for exercise. And he was like, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> so then I think I literally got home, and as soon as I got home, I looked at my camera because you texted me, and you went to Costco and you bought it already. Well, no, no, Stace was at Costco when you talked to me, so I just said, hey, can you grab the metal detector while you're there? Seriously? It's on sale. Yeah. yeah. And she went for that? Yeah, yeah, she was Wow. Yeah. 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 Did you pay her back? Uh, well, <laughs> it's all coming out of one My money is our anyway. money? Oh, I mean, okay. So, it's not, a, so yeah. it's not a my money is no. our money, no. her money is her money no. type thing? Oh. No. So I actually We go by the Dave Ramsey method. So what does that mean? It means uh, when you get married, it's our money. Uh, it's no longer your money, my money. And you have to 
talk about what we're going to use this money for, you know? Come up with usually really? divorced over that. Yeah. So you, got, you actually talk to your wife about what you're going to buy? We don't as much anymore, but we used to have that monthly sit down and talk about, you know, this is how much money came in, this is what we're going to buy, you know, wow. all that kind of stuff. And she didn't mind the metal detector, huh? No. Yeah, because at this point, the metal detector, it, it was a hundred something bucks. It's not, yeah, it's not. You're not going to p- put your kids out of school. No, or like no, that. yeah. Yeah. But, but I will get pushback because I don't use it. See, right? but ah. that's your fault. Right. That's your fault. <laughs> Man, I, I keep telling him, let's go. Yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah. like the first time he wanted to try it out and we're totally novice, right? We don't even have the earphones on. <laughs> so our, our metal detector is like beeping all over the place <laughs> on, the, on the beach. They're way more complicated than you would think. I yeah. wish you could just turn it on and it would no, just start working. But it, that's not how it works. To, no. Yeah, you have to like calibrate it to yep. the certain types of metals that it's going to find. Because yeah. copper is different than steel and you don't want to like find i don't know junk aluminum I'm sorry that this is way too much detail no so the first time we went out thing, but i'm like i read all the instructions i know how to calibrate it and i go john you got to calibrate he goes what no just turn it on man let's go <laughs> and he's not finding anything of course because it's not dialed in right and he doesn't have i don't think we even had earphones, I don't have earphones so nothing all our all our things were going me 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 all over the place and i was like oh my god what is the headphone you gotta buy your own headphones no but what what does the headphones mean so you don't bother the rest of the beach because yeah because it beeps right like beep beep and it beeps more as you get closer to the metal yeah Mm. but if you just leave it on it's a audible like a speaker yeah and you bother everybody so you put the headphones on so you're just listening you know so you just look crazy you don't right yeah 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 right Right. you know so (laughs) i can just I'm having this vision of the two of you walking on a beach, <laughs> no, but he waving was- these metal detectors <laughs> on the ground. People on the beach going, "Is that Chanya Masako from Pure Heart? This dude. Is that Kyle Shimokuro from all those plays and the guy that does? What? How old are they? Why are they no, walking on the beach?" I was like, "Brah, we're at an age where we shouldn't really care how we look already when we're on the you beach." You didn't care how you looked when you were in your twenties, so it, didn't, true. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and nobody knows who I am anyway, so I could be a, I could dress like a. <laughs> Like like a metal detecting guy on the beach. Whereas John, he just had a floppy hat and he nobody could see who he was. But this dude is a brave guy because the first thing he wanted to do was go to Sandy Beach early in the morning and do metal detecting. And I said, bro, you can't do that. There is probably a hierarchy of metal detecting people on this island. And I was like, bro, there's a what? Even if there is, what what they're going to do? You know, like, shoot. Bro, it's my area. (laughs) You cannot... Right, you don't never know, right? And plus, we're so novice. We don't want to be. I didn't want to be laughed and ridiculed on our first hunt. Yeah, guys, Sandy these metal detectors. He's gonna pro- get laughed and ridiculed no matter what. No, but these guys at Sandy Beach, they're professionals, man. They've been yeah, there for they're years. They're not gonna be professionals. They're not gonna what? look like Dwayne Johnson. I know. You never know, man. <laughs> I just didn't want to be ridiculed on my first outing. So we went to this <laughs> private so beach. Beep, 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 <laughs> we went to this private beach and found a bunch of bottle caps. And then we never went back again. Yeah, yeah, it was it was not good. So getting back to my point, <laughs> <laughs> the camera she would be okay because I use it almost every day. Right, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, always yeah. using use it for work. You can actually family life. Right? And yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, it's worth it. So, so get a ten thousand dollar camera already. Yeah, no, 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 it, no, 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 no. I, I want actually something smaller because the problem is now that you know I'm getting older. The last time I went on a trip, I didn't take my camera, and I was like, oh man so light that my bag is so light now you know what i'm just like six or seven extra pounds of equipment but yeah because you got the nothing just camera but the lenses and all that stuff right so yeah i think i'm just gonna go not cheap but but smaller 
this mm. time. Do they if have those at Costco? No. No. I don't think so. I think I got to oh, order boy. it online. Okay. Yeah, it's expensive too. The Sony's costly. Yeah, they're not yeah. cheap either. Yeah. But they're they're less expensive than the camera I got. So. Well, good luck with yeah. that. Okay. Maybe thanks. it's just a or quick, I could maybe give you my camera. It's just a quick fix, John. I think with this this one you have. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. But if you're really looking dead. for an excuse to um, buy a new one. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. I'm not. Um, so I have a SLR. You can borrow my SLR. It's, it's okay. not as good as yours. Is, it's okay. John wants a better camera. Than I, 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 I know. Yeah. The, if the deal was you want to use this as your excuse. Why? I wish your wife was coming in today. Because then we could discuss this more in depth. Yeah, she should really bring Stacy. She's on willing to come show. on. Yeah, yeah. Let's bring her on. Man. Of course, she's willing to come on. We will. But um, anyway, Devin. So yes. I had I had this uh, thought the other day. Yeah. Um, we had talked about backing up into parking stalls. Yes. In a previous episode. Yes. And um, I I have this theory. Okay. Let me know what you think about it. So. Backing into parking stalls and being so prevalent in Hawaii mm-hmm. comes down to two letters. Do you want to know what those two letters are? Okay. W and M. Oh, W yeah, and M. Burger. Because I was at W and M Burgers the other day getting yeah. a lunch. And I was thinking, you know, I think everybody... <coughs> oh, our next, our next uh, guest is here. Oh, no. Okay, so W and M. Okay, wait. Hold on. Okay, we're back up and running. So before we bring in our guests, let me yes. let me finish my thought. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I yeah. just want to say, can I just say before we go anywhere else? Okay. Um, I'm just really happy that Kyle is now asking somebody else to buy use of the shit <laughs> that he could possibly get in trouble with his wife. Oh, for. that's right. Oh, yeah, because normally I'm the guy. Oh, Devin, the scooter, buy him. Oh, Devin, motorized skateboard, buy him. And like an idiot, I buy it. So it's nice to know there's somebody else. Who is in that boat with well, me? Well, oh, no, no, I'm, I haven't given up on you yet, Devin. <laughs> John's just an addition to getting things. That, well, I'm closer. That's yeah, that's yeah. the scary part. Yeah. So you and, and Aaron Ogata apparently, yeah, with, with the uh, with the metal detector. I don't even know what to say about that. But anyway, sorry. all right, backing up. W&M. Okay, so I was at W and M the other day. I think everybody has had at least one experience at W and M, and the thing about W and M is number one, that parking lot is terrible oh it's awful and so getting in and out of there the easiest way to get in and out of there or is to get in early and then back your car in so when you leave you don't have to try to navigate out because people pull in behind you and all that kind of stuff and also i remember when i was little everyone used to um they would buy their food they would have their car there and they would sit in the car and eat yeah and there and i think that's where it all started you know, people got used to backing up at W and M. Really. And then it permeated into the Hawaiian culture. So <laughs> we talked about this a little bit earlier, but John thinks that reverse parking started from W and M. Started from okay. W and M. Burger. But and what then is spread throughout the world? <laughs> That's right. But what is the okay? So wait, uh, how are we feeling about backing up in the stalls? I forget. Well, Kyle hates people who back up into the parking yeah. stall. Yeah. Only if they're in front of him, and they don't know what they're doing. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it takes him forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a 20-minute... I am a backup parking guy. Yeah. I'm not too bad at it. I'm not the best, but I'm okay. But I specifically back into parking stalls, especially on the mainland, because I want to represent Hawaii. <laughs> That's how you I'm represent up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, by, being, by being that slow asshole who can't right. get his car into the stall. So go, I do it. I do, I go to, guy from Hawaii. I do go to in and out, and I just go right into the middle of the line, yeah. and make my backup. Do you really? Yeah. 
Well, I don't go into the line, but I yeah. back up every single chance I can get when I'm in the melee. Wow, For sure. Man. For sure. I hate you. Yes. Oh, okay. Just a little bit. Okay. Well, right. Wait, so was there, was that just a story you were telling me? That was just a like, story, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, your no, theory? No, yeah, because we were talking about, um, you know, reflecting back on past episodes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So now we're going to start the formal <laughs> podcast. We haven't even got to the formal portion of it yet. We have our guests in the studio. But first, uh, let me remind all of our listeners of the way that they can stay in touch with the show. There is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at High Sessions. Then you have SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts to listen to the episodes. And you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com if you want to ask questions or make comments. Um, if you'd like to be help the show and get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and donate. There you will be able to get more involved with the show and you have a swag that you can get and all that kind of stuff. I'd like to send a shout out to Kevin Nichols, who is our most recent Patreon donor. Hey, so, Kevin! Yay. Yeah, thank you. So thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate all your support. And I think we have some stuff cooking for uh, summer, so you should start to see more music coming back on the channel. Because <laughs> um, they soon. wanted to see us talking. Yeah. <laughs> Although people are, are actually starting to comment on some of the podcasts, so I'm, I'm really? kind of excited. Yeah. Well, you know, like people are listening. In a good way? In a good way. Oh, you know, okay. they, they're like, hey, oh, you know what? One guy was asking about the one thing we didn't talk to Sunway about was her time with Andy Bumatai on the Andy Bumatai oh, show, yeah. which yeah. would have been a good. Well, we can have her come back. Yeah, yeah we can have her come back. That, that show went by in a flash. It did. There, there was questions I wanted to ask her, and I've known her for 20 years, and I just never got a yeah, chance. Yeah, we, we we, that hour went by done. quickly. Yeah, yeah. Which is probably going to happen as well with our current guest. <laughs> so I'm just meeting him. Well, I think I've met you before once very shortly, but um, okay. I hope I don't screw up your last name. Ray Ivazian Third is from Chino, Southern California. He served eight years in active duty as a combat engineer in the United States Marine Corps. He's getting a degree in environmental science and invented this contraption that separates plastic from live debris. So we'll talk a little bit about that. It's super interesting. Um, he's made the invention open source so that anybody can use it. And he's also the vice chairman of um, the Surfrider Foundation, likes to educate people on the environment. So the reason why I reached out to Ray was um, we talked about it on an older podcast. I was out on Kauai um, last month for a baseball tournament at one of the resorts went down to the beach. Well, first, let me back up a little bit so, so Ray kind of gets a, a, an idea of where this all comes from. My daughter is in an environmental um, science group at Hahaione Elementary School. So we've been going out. We did the, oh yeah, you came out and that's demonstrated right. everything. So that's how I originally met you. So that kind of piqued my interest and, and it was interesting and I'm glad she's a part of that. But then we went to Kauai and we went to the beach and it was just plastic as far as the eye could see like i mean just completely up and down the beach it was really an eye-opener because as someone who i've lived here all my life and um I, I feel like i have some respect for the the um environment the environment yes. and you know all that stuff like I, I have never been so shocked to see what i'm seeing and um hopefully in our small way we can get the word out a little bit so the the townies that do not go to the beach and don't see this themselves like kind of how i've been living for the last so many years have an idea of what what's out there so ray thank you so much for agreeing to come on and um oh i sorry i didn't go over the um the rules so one is you want to be about a shaka away from okay. the microphone and then two don't hit the table okay because those two things kind of make weird sounds. Because uh, if you get all fired up, they'll be like, ah! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
But um, first, so we have a lot of time. So I want to start off with what. It, my first question was. Oh, 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 sorry. One more thing. He's very excited. Which, which one first? Yeah. 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 Like, he's got so many things running around in his brain. He can't Before stop. we even begin, I want to send a shout out to the Talk Story podcast with with uh, Gavin Sugai. Yeah. Gavin is another guy who's doing podcasts right now, and he's had Ray on, and I listened to the whole thing. So, because I didn't want to double up on questions, you know. So, if you want to hear more from Ray, you can go to the Talk Story podcast with Gavin, and uh, he has an hour interview with you there. My first question was more about your past. So. D- what is a combat engineer? That was kind of interesting mm. to me first, and then we'll get into the environmental stuff after that. Okay. As uh, first, thank you again, all three of you, for having me on your your show. Really appreciate mm-hmm. it. But as a combat engineer in the Marine Corps, uh, we have the largest MOS, which is the largest job um, as far as like knowledge that uh, is required in the military. Okay. Uh, specifically, my job when I was in Afghanistan was. Uh, route clearance and security. So we are out there searching for IEDs, UXOs, um, different weapons caches. So I was out there, not me specifically, but the my team that I was with uh, and metal detectors, we were out there searching for oh, bombs. Metal detectors! Yeah, which you guys were just talking about. That's why I thought that was funny. <laughs> you, you, can, you can help educate us how yeah, to calibrate our... Totally. Show them how to work it, man. Show no, yeah, they might okay. be different than the military models, but yeah, we can a little definitely bit take a look yeah. at it. Yeah. Um, okay. So my job was doing that, and then uh, I was also an explosives ep- expert. So using using different demolitions to clear roads, clear blockades, uh, take down buildings, whatever it may be. And then we also did vertical and horizontal construction. So um, different fortified positions, bunkers. Um, if there, I didn't do this, but say like a runway needed to be built. Uh-huh. So there's oh, okay. oh, many okay, many okay, fields okay. Uh, to our job. Wow, that sounds like a freaking hazardous job. I loved my job. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a fun job. Well, thank you for your service, man. Thank you. You're all worth it. it. Wow. Thanks. And, yeah. and what made you? What got you here to Hawaii? So I did uh, four years active duty in Camp Pendleton, uh, Southern oh. California, and then um, I just received orders like, "Hey, you're going to Hawaii," and okay, got my orders out here, and uh, yeah, I couldn't leave afterwards, so I said thank you, but I'm done and. <laughs> Got out honorably on my own terms, and now I'm here. Okay, so so thank you for for that. And that you got involved with the uh, plastics. So explain to us what the f is going on. Like I have no idea where all this shit is coming from. It, it's ridiculous. Like, okay, um, I get it. We're using more plastics than we did, but it, it is the the part that confuses me is that it hasn't been a gradual. It is just all of a sudden like a tsunami of plastic. Mm-hmm. And so is it just that we've hit the apex of what everything can handle, the ocean can handle, it's being thrown back at us? Or is there something going on that I'm not aware of that is causing all of these uh, these plastics to come up on the beach? It's recent, right? It is fairly recent. The amount uh, that we've been seeing In Kailua, uh, has definitely blown up ex- exponentially um, compared to like the past few years. And the reasoning we think... Um, some theorize there's no like factual proof to okay. why this is happening but uh, so in the Pacific there's different convergence zones of our oceans um, mm-hmm. that are done through different currents different surface wind conditions other variables but in the middle there's this Pacific gyre and this gyre is kind of like a vortex where all of this debris is just circulating around in the Pacific most people um, I've heard of it as the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Mm-hmm. It's not like an island where you can like step on it and come and remove this debris. This is a soup. This is something that you can't fully see one mass of this debris. 
but it's uh, something that we are assessing is like the size of Texas or twice the size of Texas. It's hard to like quantify how big it is because we're taking different transect samples or lane samples that different ships go out and collect and then ex extrapolating that into larger data to kind of assume how much plastic is out there. But there's no like one big set. Um, so I always like uh, dispersing that information so people can get rid of that idea that oh, it's, it's easy, it's an island, like, oh, we can clean this up. No, it's like a huge, like it's spread out throughout the entire Pacific um, for the most part. But we think the reason why it's coming out more now and we're seeing more of this debris is because that vortex, that whirlwind of plastic uh -huh. has expanded so large, mm. the amount that's in there, that now the material that's on that perimeter is kind of past that convergent zones where it can all be collected in the middle so it's getting spread out and on top of that we've been seeing more king tides out here in Hawaii more mm -hmm. high tides right um, and those are oceanographic currents that are coming from further out in the sea so those same storms and swells that are coming from way way out in the ocean are bringing that material back here and marine debris we're specifically going to see on the windward side because one that's where the wind is blowing that's where all the ocean currents are coming in um, and that's where that Pacific gyre is. So all that debris is just getting slammed on our eastern coast, mostly the northeastern tip. Um, and that has to do, again, with the surface wind conditions and oceanographic currents, um, pushing all of that debris up mainly to Kahuku's. Uh, that's right now the, the worst spot on the island, and it's also a wildlife sanctuary, so most people don't get to go there and see it mm. and know how bad it is. But I've got videos on like my website where you can see what, what paradise what is, is getting like uh my website is c.world c.world okay so no.com or no.org i purchased the dot world domain so it's just c.world okay, okay. Cat, cool. I, I know you listened to the podcast thing and he did all his research yeah but i'm gonna be that person who's yeah yeah please for the please, first please, time please never please. heard any of this stuff mm -hmm. so i know you don't want to kind of get into that stuff but I, i'm not gonna listen to that podcast i just want to hear yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you where does that start what is that idea to investigate this some stuff start from because you know you went from building things and mm -hmm. breaking down things and finding bombs and doing all that stuff to i'm gonna stay in hawaii and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna invent something for microplastics that seems like a i mean i, 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 I recognize, the, I recognize yeah. the engineering link there but i'm going mm -hmm. wait a second like what inspires somebody to say i'm gonna move to hawaii and then i'm gonna work on microplastics um to be honest, it was uh, a deep internal change that I wanted hmm. uh, because you wouldn't guess it right now, but I was a completely different person when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, everybody that knew me in the Marine Corps compared to knowing who I am now, like they don't recognize me. Um, hmm. So I was, yeah, just uh, a very... Well, it's, I mean, you were, you were in a war zone and, yeah. you know, I mean, to protect yourself, there's hmm. just some... There's different mentalities. Psychological to, armor probably yeah. you had to put on in order to just do the job. Definitely. Right? Because I, I mean, uh, I can't compare it to anything because I've, I've never been through it. But uh, my friends and uh, some of my friends are also veterans and, you know, they tell these just crazy stories. And you go, okay, I couldn't do that every day for an entire year, year and a half, two mm -hmm. years without mm -hmm. having to develop something in order to cope. So when you get out of it, you have to figure out a way to... Right. Adapt myself yeah, back into the rest of society because right. I can't be that same Marine, right? That yeah. was my whole conflict that I had is yeah. if I stay that same mentality, if I'd stay that same person that I was while I was in the Marine Corps, while I was out, it wasn't going to get me anywhere in life. It was just going to push people away mm -hmm. because that 
sort of lifestyle is only for that Marine Corps lifestyle. It's not going to, um, it's not going to help me. You discovered this on your own, like no <laughs> professional help. You just kind of went, you know what? I think I'm just going to change my thinking. Um, between that, I just I do a lot of reading, um, a lot of like self dwelling yeah. on like my own actions, uh, how they have affected others as well, and just um, yeah, just dwelling deeply on that, and yeah. I guess internally wanting to be the best possible person that I could be, not just for me but for others too, and not wanting to continue down that path of like aggression and negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just kept working on bettering myself as much as I possibly could and bettering the people that were around me too. Was moving here helping? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Being in Hawaii uh, 100% has helped compared to like the friends. And I'm not talking bad about my friends in California. I love them ah, to death ah. and still great friends. Um, but it's very different there than it is here. The, the community that is Hawaii, the people that are Hawaii is so different compared to anywhere else in the world as far as this connection that we have with each other with the land, um, with our history, with our, like our past. Obviously, I'm not Hawaiian, but just speaking in general to this mm-hmm. land um, and what it has, it's very uh, unique. And so, yeah, it definitely helped me here. Hmm. Wow. Very interesting. interesting. Well, no, I mean, I, I, again, the, that link happens, but the, there's something about moving here, uh, people who moved here. If you, uh, if you get this place, and, and when I mean get it, like you get it, they get you. Uh, you're kind of not going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to mm. find something for you to do. Uh, and uh, the 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 mind switch part of it is interesting uh, because it, it's it's more introspection than I think people understand. Yeah. Or probably will maybe ever understand. Mm. Um, and the fact that you're able to kind of make that on your own is pretty amazing because that that's yeah. a self actualization that people go to therapy for like years mm. for. So it's interesting that Hawaii kind of helped get you in that direction and that you kind of found it yourself so wow. but it, it wasn't just me so i mean uh, i did have an ex-girlfriend who uh she was like helping me along mm. the way um she was with me while i was still like she knew me while i was in the military and then when i got out she knew that i was like trying to better myself so she helped me with some of like my my actions and things yeah. that i did but a lot of it was um yeah just self-reflection on the things that I was saying and doing to others. And right, right. Yeah, the not the, like the feeling that I get, I don't know Ray well, but just talking to him for just a little bit too, it, se- it seems like you have a very active brain. And so <laughs> that, that those thoughts can be focused on different things, right? So if you can t- harness that energy that was thinking about negative thoughts and then turn it into something like this microplastics and, and get a passion for it, that type of brain is just it just wants to work and if mm-hmm. you put it to work and it's it's satiated in that way then i think it it helps a lot so yeah. if you have a passion if you can find a passion for it you know you don't it doesn't start chewing on itself or eating itself so I, i'm just guessing but i think that maybe had something to do with it too so oh, yeah. you and your involvement with the surf rado foundation was that before or after your interest in the microplastic that was uh, after and also, okay. uh, we just had elections for the chairman position for Surfrider, and uh-huh. I just found out this morning, um, so I was nominated and I won, so I am now chairman. We get the first interview with the chairman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. The Surfrider Foundation, uh, right. right on. So did you, uh, what kind of studying uh, have you done in order to get involved with this part? Or does your background with it, uh, engineering and all that stuff help? 
did it kind of help lead you to for Surfrider or for my individual work? Uh, your individual work. I mean, in terms of you know, you you get out, you start working, uh, or you start you come here to Hawaii, you start working on yourself, and then it leads you to this very different uh, opportunity mm-hmm. in terms of like looking at microplastics and all that stuff. Because you know, I I go to the beach, but I just look at the plastic and go, wow, that yeah. sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you went, hey opportunity to do something here a little bit bigger than myself i mean not not a lot of people take that step so um i think it also stems from knowing the different uh negative things that are happening in the world um Ah, uh knowing how bad our current state is globally um and me just wanting to help like i said just trying to to do as much good as i possibly can so with that desire to want to help and want to change things um in a positive way helped me also trans like we were saying transition into it i started getting involved with like student body at school um with different like sustainability clubs with the surf rider club there and then um yeah i saw the plastics and i knew that this was a huge, huge problem um, because it's not just like, oh, plastics are on our beach, but it's the fact that almost every aquatic species has been found to have plastic inside of it. It's not just the plastics, but it's the different chemicals that are called POPs, persistent organic pollutants, mm-hmm. that are on um, these plastics that are being leached out into the waters or are also being absorbed onto the plastics, which are then ingested and then bioaccumulate and biomagnificate up the food chain back to species that of fish that we are eating, um, knowing how plastics are contributing to greenhouse gas emissions from the whole like production of it because we're having to mine it because plastics are a petroleum-based product, so it's made from oil. So from refining that oil, just the whole shipping it out, manufacturing it, everything, that whole process is just uh, not sustainable. It's not eco-friendly. And then uh, this kind of throwaway mentality we've gotten into a throwaway society of just using something, getting rid of it. It's not, it's out of sight. It's out of mind. It's not my problem anymore. Um, and then we're on our beaches and now we're seeing it. Well, it is a problem. And then it's just, as we were talking about, it expands into this huge, huge problem. Um, that's kind of, uh, contributing, not kind of, it is, it's contributing to, um, our current climate crisis that we're in right now, mm-hmm. which, um, by the way, isn't happening, right? Oh no! Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, it never. There's no such. The road thing in front of my house isn't falling into the water. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. I mean, I don't there's know where no they're getting sea this level idea rise. from. When yeah. I was a kid, there was no such thing as king tides, or maybe there was, but I never noticed never it being that, that crazy. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Monolo Bay right out here, it becomes the parking lot almost becomes a lake where yeah. it, it rises beyond the you know, the the normal level and mm. it floats into the parking lot. Never seen it like that before. Mm. And I'm talking within like the past, what, five years, this word king tide became something. I could be wrong, but maybe we got to talk to Guy Hoggy when we interview him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. He's <laughs> coming in. But it was so nothing that I ever experienced before when I was a kid. Right. And same thing like the plastics, right? When, you know, we used to fish a lot as a kid. You right. go to Nanakuli Beach or we go, we go anywhere on the island and there would be plastic, but bigger chunks that would wash ashore or mm. containers or whatever. But now Not, we're looking at it and well, it looks like... What was like interesting s- to me about the Kauai trip was that the plastic, it, it was not, um, it was not from... It you wasn't like say, a, oh, this is from this thing. Like yeah, integrated with the sand. Yeah. No, but it was it was 
thick. It was pieces that were th- really thick, like container mm-hmm. oh. thick types of plastic, but in tiny little pieces that were broken up, just spread all along the shore. And mm-hmm. I thought, this this part particular. I mean, you get it if you go to Kahuku. You get it. it's like it's like our trash and stuff like McDonald's wrappers and things like that. But this was not. I don't think it's from here. No, so yeah, all of those larger thick plastics that you were seeing. Um, yeah. Well, we can't obviously in like pin it on one specific uh, country or organization. Right, right. Almost all of it's coming from the fishing industry, though. Okay. So the hmm. fishing industry is a huge contributor to the amount of marine debris that we get here in Pacific or uh, here in Hawaii. Um, so a lot of the stuff that we'll find on our beaches are nets, different uh, buoys, different containers. Uh, hagfish traps, oyster spacers, scallop spacers. Mm-hmm. So, so much of it that is identifiable, we know is coming from the fishing industry. Um, I do notice from um, like maybe like five, six years ago, a lot of the trash did come from um, the tsunami from Japan, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Is that something that's still consistent or now it's coming from everywhere and everything? It's coming around? from everywhere. And we do uh, some of the like identifiable markers that we see. Uh-huh. We do get stuff from Japan still, of course. Um, but I mean, I've seen stuff from China, Korea, California. I've had rappers from Saudi Arabia, which how that's getting here, where wow. that's coming from. Um, mm. So it's really interesting how, yeah, this is the world's trash, right? Yeah. This isn't any one country or organization, like I was saying, that you can pin it on. This is uh, all of our problems. It's like all of our neglect. Um, in the past, what we've started producing plastics on a large scale back in the 50s. So, yeah. This is the reckoning for us then. By the way, what is an oyster spacer? So, when uh, oyster farmers are farming oysters, so they'll take and they have like a a line that's stretched out longwise, and then they'll have a bunch of vertical lines. Uh Then they have these plastic tubes that are meant to space in between the oysters. That way they don't bunch up close to each other. Um, And it's a plastic tube. It almost looks like a thick straw. And uh, when the fishermen have collected all of their oysters, instead of you know taking the time to reel everything in and clean it neatly, they just cut it and everything just gets discarded in the ocean. Oh, That's man. easier, it's faster, uh-huh. it's cheaper for them to do it that way than to spend the man hours trying to reuse and repurpose the material. I see. Yeah. So, so uh, Ray, tell us a little bit about your invention because I, I know about it because I've seen it firsthand. It's pretty impressive. Um, and then, but Devin and Kyle do not know about it. So, um, how did you come up with this idea? Um, and explain as best you can, because a podcast so people can't see us <laughs> visually, what is is going on in your machine to separate the microplastics out of the sand? Okay, yeah. Um, so, one common thing that all of the plastics that have on our beaches that came here from the ocean, other parts of the world, and now are here on our shores, uh, one thing that they all have in common is that they float. Right, they're buoyant. That's how they got here. Um, so I use this principle of buoyancy to just capture and remove this material. So currently, everybody's using a screen, right, to to clean the beaches, which is great. You know, the screens are quick; they help remove the stuff, and we want to get as much as we can um, from our beaches. But the microplastics are something that is a much, much larger problem than most people are aware of, because the smaller the material becomes, the more detrimental and damaging it is to our environment and ecosystem. Um, so yeah, I was at a cleanup using the screen and just notice all like the, these microplastics still falling through. And I was at a meeting and my buddy was like, Oh, well you're an engineer. He's like, well, why don't you just create something and like 
figure it out. It's easy. I mean, yeah. I don't understand. I was like, it's like, you're smart, figure it out. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, I thought on it and I thought about like, Boyan just was there at the beach and just, it was like uh, nature slapped me with it. It was like, this is how. And so I immediately took that. Um, I'm very like, I guess, visual, like in my mind, I can like create things. I can visualize um, the way parts are going to move and how I can assemble different things together. Um, so I thought about how I can create this and I created my main invention first and then um, that's in pre-prototype production phase. It should be coming soon, but I knew that we needed something now and I wanted something that was some easy that anyone could create it. Um, it was relatively inexpensive and could also be used as a learning tool. So I went down to a hardware store and I just grabbed um, a bunch of parts that I knew would like work together. And I created what's called a buoyancy separation device or a BSD for short. And what it involves is a wheelbarrow is the mainframe, a concrete mixing tub or just a utility mixing tub, uh, a water pump and a power source and some hoses. And that's it. So the principle is you go around on the beach and you're taking shovels and you're collecting all of this material that you see on the beach and then you bring it back to the device. Uh, in the device, you have your pumps that, well, let me go back. You're going to take some buckets. You're going to grab three of the five gallon buckets of water, dump it into the device. That device then has pumps that are sucking water in and then squirting the water out through these hoses that have a pipe. The water that is being squirted out is used to prod into the sand. So we dump all that sand into the mixing tub, which is inside of the wheelbarrow. When we dump all the sand into there, we're prodding in, agitating the material, causing the plastics to float up to the top. Those plastics that have floated up since water is circulating through on the lip of the mixing tub, it creates kind of a waterfall effect going into the wheelbarrow. So gravity is going to do the work of them pulling all those plastics out of the mixing tub and into the lower chamber where the wheelbarrow is. So now you have a separation of buoyant and dense material or heavy mm -hmm. and light stuff. So after you have used those hoses that have, you know, the water circulating through it um, and you no longer visually see any of these plastics floating up, you take the tub, you dump all the sand back in and then you capture all of this marine debris. Uh, and in using this method, we can process 10 gallons of debris, uh, depending on the people and like how dirty the beach is in two to five minutes. So wait, did you say two to five minutes? Yeah. So rel relatively uh, like fast process. It's not as quick as like screening, yeah. obviously, but for what it is that we're able to remove, uh, yeah, it's, it's really. So how quick. do you dispose of the found microplastics after you catched it? So once uh, I capture all the microplastics, um, We'll go back on to like something else um, first because what I'm capturing isn't just microplastics. It's also the wood, the sticks, the leaves, right? Wow. Because that's the other stuff that's on our beaches that's buoyant. Yes. So even when you're using a screen, this is what you're gonna capture. And that's a huge problem is, okay, now what do we do with this like mixture of natural and synthetic debris? Mm -hmm. Well, most people and organizations are going and putting it into their trash can and throwing it away, and then it's just going and recycling <laughs> exactly. it back, that's what I was wow, thinking. back that's into the same yeah. waste stream. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're doing something now, but it's just going to be a problem again later. Yes. So, yeah, I wanted a way to be able to separate that natural and synthetic, so that way hopefully we can repurpose these plastics in a positive way. Um, so I discovered and created a method for separating natural and synthetic materials. Hmm. Um, 
which uh, just like patting myself on the back is a huge, <laughs> um, huge as far as scientific quantification of how much microplastic debris is coming up on our shores and then for practicality of actually removing this debris from our beaches. Uh, so the way that system works, and going back, the previous system before that to separate natural and synthetic was to use different acids, so hydrochloric acid, hydrogen peroxide, and iron sulfate to dissolve this natural material. It had to be heated to a certain temperature, um, which if it was boiled too much, it could become volatile and start splashing and then just... It's That's bad. It's that dangerous, sounds, yeah. yeah. So it's not an easy process to do. You can't do it in large batches. And uh, because of this, there weren't that many um, sections of beaches, different areas that had any data on microplastics because no one was able to separate the material and see what there was. So we were talking about what is usually mixed. And this is when I use my device, what that mixture of natural and synthetic is. So a lot of sticks, a lot of plastics. Yeah. We'll, um, so we're going to be posting uh, pictures of this up on our Instagram. It has a mixture of uh, natural things as well as plastic um, in a jar is what uh, Ray's handing out right now. So I'll I didn't like that method um, of using acids. I knew that wasn't going to be able to be replicated on a large scale ever. And it was creating another problem with the byproduct afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it was also dissolving some of the plastics. Um, on the smaller scale to where for scientifically we could only look at particles down to 300 microns and for reference like uh, the diameter of a human hair is around 75 to 100 so still really small but mm -hmm. there's stuff behind that was being left so I again thought hard on how I could fix this problem um, and I discovered that we can again look at nature for how we can do this so natural material, sticks, wood, leaves, if that stuff is left in water for a long period of time, what will happen to it? It's waterlogged. Sinks. Yeah. Wow, there you go. Devin, that is Got impressive. it. He's smart. Nice, Devin. Public school, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. So if we leave this material in water for a long period of time, um, it will eventually absorb that water into its pockets and cells. It will become waterlogged and then it will sink. Mm -hmm. Um, I tested this and I left, you know, the material in water for like a week and some of the stuff sunk, but the whole thing stunk like crazy. Oh, <laughs> it, wow. Yeah, it smelled like badass. Rot, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> rotten real bad. And I didn't, I was like, okay, so we can waterlog this now. How can I speed it up? Um, I purchased a vacuum pump from my local uh, auto store. And then I created like a little vacuum chamber. I like cut some plexiglass out, drilled some holes, tapped on uh, a valve, and I created a little vacuum chamber. And I took that mixture of natural and synthetic debris, I put it in the vacuum chamber with water, and I turned it on, and uh, in less than like 10 minutes, that material was already waterlogged. Uh, and the reason that's happening is we are taking that material that's in water, the material that's submerged underwater as we're pulling a vacuum, pulling all of that air from within that chamber, you're also pulling the air out of the pockets and cells of that natural debris. As you're pulling that air out, you're then exchanging those spaces with water. So you are force waterlogging this material. So something that would have taken nature days, weeks, months, whoever knows like how long to become waterlogged is almost an instant process. Mm. 
And with this method, it was faster, cheaper, easier. It's allowing us to observe and quantify particles down to 25 microns. So around a quarter of a size of human hair. So very small. Um, and it's just using water. So that method uh, was huge for, again, separating this material to where afterwards, this is the separation we're getting. Ooh. So that's the same jar. So we're passing on two jars now, and you can see that um, there's way more plastic in the new jar compared to the other one because of, you know, the, the natural debris has been taken separated. out. Yeah. Separated, yeah. So after we release the pressure in that chamber, that natural material sinks down to the bottom and the synthetic stuff floats to the top. And you'll see there's still some wood, some yeah, natural yeah. material that's mixed in, in there. There's a few. Um, but that's only after I've put it in the chamber once. If you put that material into the chamber a second time, a third time, um, the results get better with each process. Um, so yeah, it's relatively simple. So when you get easy. that jar of separated plastic mm -hmm. and all that microplastic in that jar, what do you do with it? Okay. So after I get that, right now I'm currently giving it to a lot of different art students. Um, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, I ship some of it to Europe, some to like California, some to New York. So whoever wants to use this as a statement piece, that's the mm. biggest thing that we can kind of do right now. A lot of it, whenever I go to different schools and I do uh, outreach events, I separate the plastics into eight different size categories. So along with this, I also created uh, a new methodology for assessing shoreline marine debris accumulation using both inventions, a new method that I created and then separating the plastics uh, into different sizes. So these jars, I didn't bring all of them with you, but just so that way you can see how small these plastics are wow. getting down to. So this is all it's plastic. Like so these are, these are tiny, tiny little jars. It looks like sand. Yeah, and it looks like sand, but I, I've seen these because it brought it, he brought it to school, but yeah, it's, it's minuscule. Um, so a lot of those smaller plastics I give to schools that, so that way they can use it as a statement piece. Because when you look at something that small, and you can then make the comprehension to, okay, this is easy for smaller organisms to ingest this, yes. to right. inhale this, right. to absorb this. And for us to take it in. Exactly. Looking at this, it looks like sand. It looks like dirt. You mm -hmm. can't tell the difference between plastic and dirt when it comes down to right. this size. And With not, these size of plastics yeah. that is super like a grain of sand, does it still hold all that chemicals and all that rubbish that's detrimental to our everything yep. in here? it actually holds more. So the smaller plastic piece becomes, the more surface area it has compared to when it was a larger piece. Now, if you were to take one piece of wood that had, or one piece of anything that had six sides on it, you break it in half, now you've got one more side than what was originally there. So as each piece fragments smaller and smaller, you're increasing the surface area and the amount of POPs that can be on those plastics. So the smaller pieces are, like I said, much more um, toxic. Okay, so we're looking at a bottle of toxic <laughs> dust yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Is there a facility or a company or any type of industry that can take this and turn it into something positive? In the future, there will be. So I've talked with a couple people at uh, different universities. One of my friends is at ASU, and he's working uh, with an enzyme that is able to digest smaller microplastic particles. And in the process of they uh, digesting like, it... Uh, oil or something right yeah so yeah. they're releasing methane gas and then it's converting it back Did into you its basic poop out oil? yeah 
Okay. All right. I'm just making sure I right. correctly because <laughs> I thought right. he said poop out oil and I went, oh. Okay, so you make the sand. They eat, they eat, there's bacteria that eat plastic yeah. and then they poop out oil. Okay. But they just haven't been able to do it on a large yeah, scale. What do you do with the, like the oil? So then afterwards, once you've collected that oil, you can use it for a different fuel or if it's like uh, of a lubricant or whatever it oh. may be. But you've broken down those plastics into their... Uh, basic structure again, the basic uh, or petrol structure. Okay. Because yeah, plastics are petroleum. It's so oil. how do you answer all those crazy people who mm -hmm. look at this stuff and go, "Oh no, that's that's just sand." Awesome question. Oh. So I also, uh, along with my work at Surf Rider and with uh, Sea Dot World, I am a uh, marine debris researcher at the Center for Marine Debris Research in Waimanalo. Um, this is an amazing facility uh, where I get to work with many uh, great scientists and researchers. Um, I'm just going to give a shout out to like my mentor, Dr. Jennifer Lynch, Katie Shaw, and Caleb Brignac. Um, yeah, they're just brilliant individuals. So originally what I was doing is just visual confirmation. So just putting it under a microscope, and when it's under there, you can look and you see the blues, you see the reds, the greens, the colors, yeah, it look, it the looks sand. Brown, yeah, yeah, like that, it looks brown. So. Yeah. So like these, you can still, you look close enough, like, okay, I can see blue, but that, no, you can't tell at all because those individual particles are actually smaller than what uh, our eyes can see. Mm -hmm. So we can only visually see with the naked eye down to 40 microns. And some of those particles, as I said, are going down below 25. Yeah. So it's, you wouldn't be able to see it. It's just right. in the air. So earlier today, I watched a video on YouTube from um, National Geographic talking about this microplastic things in fish. Mm -hmm. And they had actually studies done where they actually had midaka, which is uh, minerals from, um, it's a Japan minnow, and they fed it plastic just mm -hmm. to see what would happen. Um, one of them said that the microplastics actually leached into their flesh? Yeah. From the stomach. So, you know, those of us, I mean, before I saw that video, I was like, What's the big deal? You eat the plastic, you shit it out. Meat's still good. You can eat sashimi. Mm -hmm. That's not the case, right? No. So you, when we wear a food line in a poke bowl, we've got to think twice about what we're really eating within yep. that raw mm. poke cube. Mm -hmm. You know? And and we're eating a lot of we're fish. We're eating a lot, we of, a lot of, of fish in Hawaii. Yeah. It's becoming, well, no, not it, only in Hawaii, and everywhere it, else. It doesn't mm. matter if you cook it. It's still the same still thing you're eating. Mm -hmm. So... What's the solution to that? As far as where are you where are you gonna get plastic-free fish from the ocean right now? Uh, unless it's farmed uh, somewhere not in the ocean, you're you're not able to. And again, that's something that we are kind of gonna have to learn from and uh, adapt with as a people. Like we're gonna have to deal with like our repercussions. And I mean, of course, we've been probably eating this mm -hmm. fish with the plastic in it for years already, but mm -hmm. do you, is, is it a, is there a certain amount of years that you can say we've been really ingesting a lot more than what we should be? We have no clue. This is all such new research. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know how much we've been ingesting over the years. Uh, we don't know the latency effects of what this material is going to do to us. We kind of have no clue. Um, we're kind of just, rolling with the punches and seeing what happens scary times it is but uh we know for a fact that the chemicals that were used in plastics originally so you've heard of bpas biphenyl mm -hmm. acetate if that material uh it's so like 
baby bottles used to be made out of BPA. All water bottles mm-hmm. used to have mm-hmm. BPA. Yeah. This is now categorized as one of the dirty dozens as far as uh, POPs. Uh, so one of the more toxic um, pollutants. And all of these POPs are categorized as endocrine disruptors. So they affect your different reproductive health, your growth hormone, um, uh, your immune system. So we know that these are toxic to us on a certain scale. We know that it's damaging different aquatic species. Um, But again, we haven't looked into what it's doing to humans. So we don't know how bad or how much we have ingested or how much makes it toxic for us. There is somebody looking into that right now, right? I'm sure there is, yeah. You make him cover so. nervous. Yeah. He's the, well, <laughs> the one thing I was thinking as uh, as Ray was talking that's kind of interesting um, to me is is you know, I was when I was in college many 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 years ago, I did a lot of environmental science stuff, and I really got frustrated with the whole scene back then because you know, you're talking about the 90s, and at that time there was a lot of just telling people to stop doing things. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was ba- the basic message, you know, and um, that definitely helps. And and as you know, as an individual, I like to try to do my best to to help out and whatnot. But realistically, it's going to be guys like Ray who come up with ideas to get the word out, but then also to come up with new technologies and new ways to combat these types of problems, right? Because I mean, just in general, the population's growing worldwide there's countries that we cannot control right i mean we can educate them but that takes a lot of time in the meantime there's smart guys like this that Mm -hmm. we need out there and 20 some odd years ago it wasn't it wasn't as prevalent i think nowadays you have a lot more people interested in this topic and um, i I was going to ask you um i don't know if this is bs or not but um so sc johnson and company so they do mm-hmm. like windex and um all these types of uh household items you know i saw this commercial and the founder or the president he's swimming in a sea of plastic and he's saying you know sc johnson is going to take on this plastic problem and all of the windex bottles now are used with recycled plastics and they're trying to you know this donate. is recently well, recently i just saw it the other week okay mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know if this guy's just grandstanding and trying to make his company look good by doing this. But at the same time, um, the fact that they're even, it's on the radar for people in business is good. And it's because of guys like you who are kind of pushing this thing along and showing people that this is a problem, people care about it. Because investment's only gonna come when people care about it, right? Yep. And so um, that gives me some hope because I see more, more doing now than just talking about hey okay everyone just needs to stop this because yes you can definitely help by um pulling back on on the supply side meaning the amount of plastic going into the ocean but again we also need solutions on the other side is how do we deal with the plastic we have or that will be created because it's not like we're just going to stop using plastic altogether so um i don't know that makes me a little bit feel a little bit better even though it, it is kind of depressing yeah. The, the whole situation. But you must know better than me. I mean, there's got to be people out there that have a good interest in solving this problem, right? Uh, there's a lot of uh, different celebrities and large organizations that are trying to help mm-hmm. with the solution by raising awareness. But um, 
We need like the I mean, Elon Musks of the world to come up with some kind of weird contraption yeah. that can. So he's what, too busy making flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sending yeah. cars. Into yeah, space. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this because so how feasible or realistic do you see your contraption becoming in an industrialized um, size? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if there was investors that really put some backing behind it, could you build something that could do industrial sized cleanups in the next 10 years or whatever? Is, oh, is it realistic? Yeah. Um, so that was, I was telling you the, the main invention that I created uh, before I did the BSD. That's a, a uh-huh. beach lawnmower. I call it a sand, okay, okay, okay. a sand bony instead of like a Zamboni. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Play on words there. And, um, that's something that I'm hoping uh, I will be able to sell to government private organizations here in Hawaii and stateside America, but then also be able to give away to these like poor and impoverished countries. Um, so that will be like a part of the nonprofit that I'm creating. And that is, this whole process is completely scalable in design. And uh, it doesn't need to be made into like a gigantic sand sifter or anything, because if you... Mm-hmm go to the beach and you see the patterns, all of this material is going to accumulate on the rack line or the high tide right, right. line, right? And that's how it was on Kauai, just mm-hmm. straight just one down. line, yep. yep, going down there. So although, you don't need... Although when I went and it, it was all in the in the short, like, you know, if you're walking in ankle deep water, it's all floating in there too. Mm-hmm. That sucked. Yeah, yeah it, it's bad when it's like that in the water. In right. Kailua, when was it like uh, yeah, that beginning was January? Yeah. Yeah, there were people that were going in the water, coming out, just covered in it. It's in people's hair. Yeah, that um, was nuts. Yeah, it was an insane amount of microplastics that were washing ashore there. Now, how is it now in Kailua <clears throat> currently? Did they clean it up? Is oh, it yeah. still coming in every day? Is still it- coming in daily, yeah. Uh, we just had a huge cleanup on Martin Luther King Day um, with uh, Kailua Beach Adventures, Sustainable Coastlines, a few other like small organizations came out. I was there. And they had over a thousand people show up on that beach to do a cleanup. Like now, it was insane. Here's a stupid question, but I just needed. Kyle loves his stupid questions. Yeah, I like stupid questions. <laughs> is that influx recorded around the world at that same time, or is it like is it just moving? Hmm. Or is it moving around and hitting beaches that we don't know about? That's a good question. I don't know if uh, other places were hit in the same way uh, as us. I don't know if anybody's actually looked into that. So. A good hmm. thing someone should look into. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure. I would assume that. I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's I guess I just depending upon our position. So I, maybe that was just us. Yeah, because I haven't heard anything else on the news, nationally or anything that they've been having that same problem. So. So another thing I think that could have been like a contributing factor for that is as these tides are coming in higher and higher it's also pulling out all of that debris that's been sitting on the mm. beach for a long time, right? That so the stuff that was up in Kahuku's, up in James Campbell, all that stuff that wasn't getting removed, the high tide uh. came, pulled it all back into the ocean. Uh. So the stuff that had been accumulating weeks, months, however long up there, then Watch just all got pulled out and then brought back in down in Kailua. Um, so I think that is a possibility also, like it could have just been this crazy storm just brought it in. Well, it's interesting. I, um, I worked at uh, Koloa Regional Park uh, okay. when I was uh, in college, and uh, one of the things we found that was interesting is um, they told us what's been happening because uh, that that area the sand disappears, mm-hmm. like Waikiki, the sand disappears, 
And what they were finding, they were, they were wondering why that was happening. And they said that some of it is because um, the fish ponds that the Hawaiians had built, right, which were these natural sort of sand erosion stoppers, were being taken out. And once those things were taken out, the beach started to just disappear mm. in these huge chunks. Mm. And they've been trying to figure out, I mean, that's why they've, they've been putting down pilings. They throw more sand at it. Mm. They do all these different things to try to figure out how to make it stop. And they're like, no, no, no. The Hawaiians had it figured out already. Yep. They, they figured out how to get these things, how the these natural sort of shore breaks um, were removed. And they're not sure how to get them back into place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's also maybe contributing to it as well, because the the because now the sand's not there to, to yeah. Because what we noticed was you know you put sand uh, if you're out near Kolo area they'd put sand along the point area because um, it's where the sand was disappearing. But what ended up happening was the the they would just carry it around. The tide would carry it around, deposit it in the area where we had the kids, and then it was just bare again over here. Mm. So then they just keep dumping sand in it, and it would keep coming around to the other side. But they're doing that with Waikiki too. Yeah, I went and Kalua's mm-hmm. experience. Kalua's experience is the, the same thing. When I was when I was growing up there, the beach went for a long ways, and now you walk up to the beach and it just drops off, and you go, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like, why are we losing? Uh, this stuff why is this why is it moving the way it's moving mm-hmm. um, sorry and just to back up I, I like the idea of what you invented mostly because you invented something that somebody can go to Home Depot and buy equipment like you you thought it out mm-hmm. enough to say okay I need to buy I need to make something that people can say I want to I want to help so I'm gonna buy this and buy this and buy this mm-hmm. put it together and use it which I don't think a lot of people, uh, think about they think about it more in terms of okay I need to mass produce this thing mm-hmm. yeah. how do I get it yeah. so that I can you know either make money off it or we can make these gigantic things and you said no 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 that's that's not how I want to approach it which mm-hmm. I think is uh, which I think is really good um, along with that and talking about the other plastics part of it the, I think what we need to help is is to assist with this side uh, what you're doing and pulling out is to help them figure out a way to use that stuff on the back end besides making art with it but to right. try to find yeah. ways for them because unless on the back end they can make money for somebody that that um, that pull to say okay well let's do this um, uh, you know uh, it isn't there and it's unfortunate because yeah and, and for, for a lot of people unless there's like a money making thing at the end of it Mm-hmm. They they have no draw, right. no purpose but to do anything. Not only that, it's like, sad. Let's say I want to clean the beach out here in Anaheina, and I go to City Mill and whatever, and I buy all the things necessary to sift the sand, and I collect jars of plastic. What do you do with the plastic? I mean, yeah, well, like, that was your question. Yeah, like, yeah right? so, yeah, like <laughs> I, 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 you know, I mean, like, I, there's only going to be so much shelves in my house I can shelve it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, like. For the person like me who doesn't have a facility to break it down or do anything positive with it, I would think most people, like your daughter guys who collected all on the beach, where did it go? Did they just throw it back into the garbage? I mean, what? where did well, it go? Well, know? we work with a, a, a crew called um, 808 Cleanups, mm-hmm. and you probably are familiar with them, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. So they take all the, pl- I don't know what they do with it mm-hmm. after that, but we, we, yeah, we partner with a group that, that takes the plastic. So I'm assuming they do something with it. I know that not all plastics are made the same. We learned about one through six, seven, yeah. seven mm-hmm. sorry. 
I, I semi pay attention. But uh, yeah, and then certain ones you, you can recycle, yeah. certain ones you can't recycle, yep. and all that kind of stuff. So here's my question: Is let's say we do a beach cleanup, we have all this plastic. Is that the person that we contact to go yeah. and haul it off? Uh, uh, Ray, would you recommend? Do you have a thing, or I, I can I can plug eight away cleanups there. So I, I think. Um, so Michael Lofton, he's the, the owner and creator of 808 Cleanups, amazing human being. Um, I believe what they are doing is it's still going to the refuse center. I don't mm. think he has, at the moment, I don't believe he's working with any private companies or anything where they're recycling and repurposing that debris. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that Parlay has a, so Parlay for the Oceans, they have a recycling center up at Turtle Bay with sustainable coastlines and Surfrider will come and bring our marine debris there and I think 808 might be bringing some other stuff okay. there but uh, the best option if you have a lot of the stuff uh, would be to get in contact with either myself or sustainable coastlines or one of the other organizations and then uh, drop the material off up there and okay. then Parlay is taking and they're making all, all sorts of different materials out of the stuff whether it's like a surfboard decks or um they're making like seats for Mercedes. They're making shoes. Okay, there is, a, so there is a yeah yeah yes. There is a larger exist. way okay. of uh, recycling or reproducing this mm-hmm. material. Or you've just got to invent another thing. Well, I've already got that. Too. <laughs> oh, you got that too. <laughs> yeah, right on. Italian man, so. bacteria that poops oil. It's the future. <laughs> well, I mean, it very well. It very well could be. I think it's a. Well, it's, you, Actually, good idea. I, I remember it clearly because I participated in a business plan contest mm-hmm. uh, when I was, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe 20 years old or something, um, 25. And uh, we did this uh, you know, website business plan. It's for UH. And we go to the competition and guys are like, I've discovered a bacteria that can eat plastic and poop oil. And I was just like, oh my God, what are we even doing here? This guy's going to totally win, you know? Yeah. And uh, I don't. We didn't win, but I just thought that was super impressive. Hmm. So, hmm. anyway. So, one interesting thing about plastics is so it's broken down into seven categories, but there's many more than seven types of plastics. Uh, but of those categories, they're then split up into thermoforming and thermosetting plastics. Thermosetting are usually your dense plastics, the ones that are sinking. Your buoyant plastics are your low-density and high-density polyethylene and your polypropylene. Those are your thermoforming. You can take those plastics, you can put them into a heat injection mold, and you can create whatever you want out of it. So you can create tiles, you can create coasters, you can create chairs, tables, benches, whatever. As If you have enough of the material, you can create virtually anything. Uh, my vision with it is to take this material that we are collecting and create my devices out of this so it creates kind of a circular waste stream from mm. the material cool. that allows That's me great. to keep the, the cost extremely low so that way, like I was saying, I want to give it away to other countries for free. Mm. Um, and then that material, like we're able to create more stuff out of it, but it would have to be coated with like another layer of something around it because as we were talking about, those POPs are still going to be on um, the plastics and we don't want people touching it we don't want it exposed to the environment so so right now there is no ideal plastic to 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 use mm-hmm. we're not striving to go <laughs> we just need this one plastic in our world and we'd be okay we're like we're talking about just eradicating the whole thing to make it a better place 
I don't think we'll ever eradicate plastics. I'm not trying to advocate that. There are so many positive applications for it that we're using as far as um, like medical sterilization and the aerospace industry. Uh, but what we need to do is get away from this single-use mentality, this throwaway mentality. We need to be more conscious mm. of what it is that we're throwing away, what, what it is that we're recycling here. We were talking about what is recyclable here in Hawaii. Most people don't know that you can only throw in your blue bin plastics that have the recycling code one and two on it. Hmm. If you are throwing anything else inside of that blue bin, it's not getting recycled, it's not getting repurposed in any way. It's just going to the landfill um, and mm -hmm. either getting buried or it's getting burned at H power. And if, say, you know, there's a person that's working on the line and they open up a bag and it's not all one and two plastics, well, that whole bag is getting thrown out. It's not like they're going to pick through everything and say, oh, yeah, yeah this one's still good, this is good. It's, they're just going to assume, oh, this whole bag's bad and just toss it out. Um, so, yeah, there's this big problem with uh, recycling with plastics. Um, yeah, what it is that we're using. Because people think they're being so forward-thinking. Save the oh, earth and just throw it away. <laughs> they didn't even realize that. It's good for the planet, good yeah, for the cause. Yeah, look, no. look how good I was. I threw away no. that bottle so, over there. <laughs> in Hawaii, we already moved to the no plastic bag thing. Bill Forty, for, yeah. For, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he knows the bill. When you go to Foodland, right? But yep. yet, there's still plastic bags when you go buy a t-shirt at a t-shirt shop mm -hmm. or still plastic right. bags when you go to a anywhere else well not only that but the salad that you're buying and not putting in the bag is all in plastic yeah. containers and you're taking home <laughs> so, with you so it's kind of so know. you know I, I know we're moving towards that and I know next year or soon we're going to have that no straw ban and stuff like that too right? yeah so yeah plastic we just had uh, the largest single use plastic phase out bill in the entire United States yeah so that was Bill 40 and I helped uh, with Surf Rider and with my work um, lobby and give testimony for that and that's getting rid of straws cups utensils yes. containers bags uh, stirs any of that that's in the food industry right because yeah. we can't get rid of everything I yeah. mean it, it's something that we have to slowly move towards so my question is I, I think it's great we're getting rid of that it's great mm -hmm. for our planet our environment our island everything mm -hmm. what's the alternative that's going to be um, put in place that's better and then how can other businesses adapt to it without 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 um, more expense and cost okay so bioplastics are the next viable option but creating the right bioplastics so plastics that are made out of plants essentially right now a big one that you'll see is like the eco products cups they're like clear cups they'll have like a leaf on it and it says it's it's compostable um, I'm not right. a big advocate for those we can touch on that later but um, creating something that is actually compostable and degradable and there's actually uh, bills that are going through the Senate right now um, to create composting facilities here on Hawaii because we don't have a composting facility mm. here mm -hmm. um, which we need to start creating a circular waste economy here in Hawaii not just on Oahu but all the islands like working together um, so creating a composting facility to where then after we have these bioplastics they can then be composted properly um, and then be broken back down into like their basic molecular forms um, be repurposed Okay, so. so you did the part now. Talk about the compostable thing. Okay, man. <laughs> um, I I fucking hate these. <laughs> there's there's the reward. It's okay. There we go. We got. We just heard our explicit. Okay, thank you. Uh, these uh, green eco cups, man. Um, mm. 
these like bioplastics that we have right now, they're made out of cornstarch and it says that it's compostable, it's biodegradable. So it's just making people again think you like, oh, recycling's great. It's yeah. good. Oh, this cup, it's yeah. compostable. It's good. Look, I can eat it. This stuff only composts under very specific conditions in a specific composting facility. You can't compost this stuff in a home composter. You can't oh. shred this oh. stuff down. You throw it in with your compost, it. it's not going to... No. Oh. Not only that, but what bin are people putting these cups in? Does it go in your blue bin, your black bin, or your green bin out here in Hawaii? Mm. Most people... Like, they don't know anything about it. Well, if it's not plastic, well, it goes in the black. Most people that are like, oh, it's plastic, it goes in the blue. People that think that it's compostable, they put it in the green. But all of those bins are wrong. There needs to be a completely new rubbish bin created for this cup. Mm. This cup is oh. creating an entirely new problem as far as waste management. Um, it is not compostable. It's giving people this false ideology that just continuing on with this uh, throwaway like mentality of not um, being conscious of what it is that we are wasting and throwing away. Um, so I'm not the biggest advocate for this material. I do love the stuff that's made out of uh, like recycled uh, paper pulp and the stuff that's made out of algae. There's uh, like tapioca plastics, seaweed plastics, these other stuff that is actually um, degradable like over like a short period of time is great. But um, these bioplastics, um, they don't break down. And Who invented to, those things? Because they make it sound like it's this big environmentally conscious company that said, hey, we're going to make this uh, biodegradable yeah. plastic and we're awesome. And people go, yeah, but... Some large company, yeah, that's just trying to greenwash their image and make themselves oh, see yeah. better. Just uh, like you were talking about S.E. E. Johnson. Yeah. yeah, so that's uh, S.E. Uh, Johnson. I feel like all these large companies, they've known for... <laughs> a while the damages yeah. that their products are doing yeah. um, and they you know everything is just greed it's this capitalistic society we live in so it's like oh I don't care as long as I'm making money mm. as yeah, long as I'm doing good I think that's good. the point I was trying to get to is mm -hmm. like you you want them to you know that they're the only way they're going to actually kind of responsibly do this is they're going to well not even responsibly that they're going to feel like they're going to make make a buck out of this thing mm -hmm. right because you because you with your invention yeah. you could make a buck out of it but you're not because mm -hmm. you made it, you know, open source. Like everybody, take it. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the part where I'm, I'm seeing a, a disconnect. And I think you probably do too. And that's the part that's frustrating, right? Yeah, it's very frustrating. Because you're like, why can't you guys just do the right thing? Yeah, just yeah. do the right thing for the right reason. I why think, does it have to be money? I think your next project should be making edible utensils. There's already a couple of them. Like people have made like cookie spoons or like cracker spoons mm -hmm. and forks and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, if uh, people were to make some better ones out just here like in Hawaii just don't let it sit in the milk too long yeah. <laughs> I just can't imagine the future zip pack and what it's going to look like when all these laws come into effect oh yeah mm. No, I mean, and then I'm I also questioning hopefully we can keep it at that same price man because I don't want to pay 25 bucks dude there's for a places pack. if you go no. uh, if, if you go there's uh, I'm trying to think I think Pioneer Saloon these paper plate lunch uh -huh. whatever mm. it's fine I just don't want to you know be walking up to the the counter and they give it to me and I gotta pull up my hands. Just gonna yeah. pour it in there. Yeah. We just pour it in. Okay, get ready. Here comes the stew. You know, I mean, I'm like, holy crap. So the reason that Bill 40 was actually able to get passed is because of this program Surfrider has called our Ocean Friendly Restaurant Program. Okay. Um, we're one of the largest OFR, or we have one of the largest OFR programs in the nation. And Great OFR. Ocean Friendly Restaurants. Ah, thank so you. that's what Sorry. OFR stands for. And 
what that does is we go around to different uh, restaurants, food trucks um, that are here on the island, and we promote them to switch to sustainable options. So mm-hmm. no longer using single-use plastics, not using straws, um, getting your seafood locally sourced, using um, low-energy light bulbs, low-flow water taps. There's several different yeah. standards that we have. And we have... Um, I, I don't know the exact figure, but I believe it's over 70 restaurants here on Oahu that have already transitioned to meeting this standard, which is the same standard that Bill 40 is already going to implement. And there's actually several different um, manufacturers of these sustainable products here on Oahu. One of the biggest ones is Sustainable Island Products. And they make your clamshells, your stuff for your, um, your Zippy's chili and rice bowls, like all these different products that don't use any plastic. And so it's already something that can easily be transitioned. And as we switch our supply and demand from our demand of plastics to these sustainable products, price is going to drop as okay. well. So right now it might be high, but it's definitely going to go low. And at our current price, it's maybe five cents at most difference. Okay, that's not that bad. So it's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. And most of these places, uh, when they switch over to these products, they're already seeing a decrease in uh, the amount of spending that they're going to have to use because they just don't give out plastic bags. They just don't give out utensils unless it's requested for. Mm. Uh, because as we move towards this like sustainable future, the people that are going to these ocean-friendly restaurants, they're like more conscious of remembering to bring a utensil or to bring their own bag or whatever it may be. So this we restaurant... just use their hand. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> we can go back, you know, a few generations just using hands. <laughs> I heard. Uh, I heard somewhere. I read somewhere that the food tastes better when you eat with your hands. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's that's what I heard. Mm. Clean hands. I'm serious. I'm serious. <laughs> There's an article I read. But uh, anyway. Well, Ray, what can we? So, um, we'll, we'll finish up on this. Besides um, trying to limit the amount of one-use plastic, single-use plastics, mm-hmm. I get so confused because they said we're not supposed to say one thing. Say that single-use plastics is still the term. I believe so. Okay. What, unless you've okay, got so something new for me. No, no. So cutting back on single-use plastics, um, going to these cleanups, um, we can find you and your site where again? Seed.world. So like an apple or a watermelon seed. Seed.world. World. Mm-hmm. Also, I would I would back uh, 808 cleanups in just that. It's actually kind of fun. You go down to the beach and you spend the day there and you're cleaning up and it's you can get as dirty as you want. You don't have to be digging in the bushes and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, you can just be on the shore sifting through sand. Um, they have a cool app that you can, it shows you can like place your marker where you've cleaned. So it kind of uh, has a fun yep. game element to it. It's kind of like metal detecting. Kind of <laughs> like metal detecting. <laughs> so we don't find anything good in old rings. Just yeah. trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So trash. Just trash. But uh, what else can people do um, to, to help your cause or our cause I should say because everybody's involved in this in a way uh, the biggest thing that we can do is what we're doing right now sitting at this table is just talk about it mm-hmm. continue to stimulate the conversation spread awareness um, that's how we're going to get this big uh, change to happen uh, the next thing is to voice your opinion to your different legislators that are out here on different bills that you want to see passed um, your voice does have a power uh, well, we, our senators listen, obviously, we just passed Bill 40. So if you have like this strong stance and position on something, you can write in and voice your opinion. You don't have to live here. There's no age requirement. Um, you don't have to write some long, lengthy 
um, statement, you can just say, no, I support or I oppose, whatever this is. Uh, and it actually makes a difference. Uh, after that, the, the next thing you can do is, yeah, just be more conscious on what it is that you're purchasing, where you're going to shop, where you are eating. Um, and I guess just trying to transition away from this kind of like zombie society that we've gotten into to where we don't think about what's next, what's happening the next day, what's, where's our waste going, thinking about the next step of everything and um, yeah, just be more conscious. You know, I, one last question. I'm sorry, I have to no ask problem. this. But is there it, yeah. any other state or or country that's just as moving forward with this movement, like how we are in Hawaii, like equivalent or even more that you know of? Oh, we're uh, actually pretty far behind compared to most other countries. America's uh, pretty far behind in accepting uh, the different. I would imagine Singapore's got got a lot going on. Them, they recycle Thailand. Japan uh, has like passed a couple bills. Mm. Uh, I believe Switzerland too. So it's it's spreading all over the place. People has are China accepting adapted that anything yet? Uh, small, um, small things. I I can't. I don't remember the specifics, but um, yeah, I don't think it's probably enough to make a difference. But they're trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. good to hear. Though it's tough trying. when you're more than half the world's population. Yeah. 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 Well, Kyle, anything you have coming up? Uh, no, not really. Just check out highlifeclothing.com and uh, pick up your shirts there and your your wear and sports stuff. stuff and, and yeah, ju- buy clothes. Yeah. And stickers. Devin Kumu, 94.7 in yep. the mornings. Yep. Uh, any other thing you want to um, He's going to be on Oh, Hawaii Matters at some point in time. Okay, good. Yeah, We're going to hook that up. We started a conversation. So some of this stuff you're going to hear again because I'm going to make him come on. We're going to have him talk about <laughs> this as many times as possible. Please. Yeah. To make sure you understand what's going on. Uh, but more so, uh, yeah, uh, I just appreciate you coming in and, and inventing all this stuff. Yeah, it's really cool, thank man. You. Yeah, yeah really thank you cool so stuff. much. It was super educational yeah. for us. Thank you. I'm glad. Really appreciate it. And we were all like, microplastics guy. What are we going to talk yeah, about yeah, on yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And, then, and <laughs> then he started talking about it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we could keep <laughs> so going. Thank you. We could definitely keep going. But uh, everybody out there, please follow us, highsessions.com, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and all that stuff. Uh, we're going to get some music back up soon. I promise you that. In the meantime, everyone take care and aloha. 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 Get it.